Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Base Hit Ball 4. My name is Glenn DeNigris, alongside, as always, Alex Cashman, Tyler Blumensick, who's laughing at me, and Scott Roswald. It's, it's here. Pitchers and catchers report tomorrow. By the time this drops, it'll be today. So pitchers and catchers report today. And there's still a lot of moves that still need to be made throughout Major League Baseball. A lot of free agents still don't have a job. Uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. doesn't have a job. Trevor Rosenthal doesn't have a job. Um, the, the list goes on and on of guys who don't have a job. But a lot of people now do have jobs over the last seven days. Um, a lot of teams shoring up their roster, making some minor league deals, making some you know under-the-radar major league deals. And one of those teams is the New York Yankees. They signed in the past week Jay Bruce to a minor league deal, Robinson Chirinos, formerly of the Astros, to a minor league deal, and they brought back Justin Wilson, who was on the Yankees back in the 2015 season, then got traded in the Luis Sessa-Chad Green deal to the Tigers, I believe, and then moved to the Mets for a couple of years. Now he's back with the Yankees, so after trading Ottavino, the Yankees used that salary to get O'Day and Justin Wilson. So Cashman doing his thing. We'll start, I guess, with the Yankees as their spring training starts today when this podcast drops on Wednesday the 17th their their, their spring training is going to dictate on their health um there's not really a lot of I guess competitions I guess the catcher positions now a competition I guess with Higashioka and Chirinos for that backup spot because you know Sanchez will at least start the year as the um as the starting catcher um bullpen wise seems pretty set maybe the long man Luizaga or Sessa, maybe one of those, maybe those guys are on the table of either making the team or not making the team. And then that outfield seems to be pretty set. And with Jay Bruce signing really has a block in front of it for a Brett Gardner return. So the Yankees roster going into spring training 2020, 2021 seems set. Um, I don't know if there's a spot for Brett Gardner at this point. And if you look at the Yankees roster, if you with you guys like a left-handed Talkman, they brought in the left-handed Bruce. It, they right, really don't need Brett Gardner at this point. So is this the end of, of Gardner's tenure as a Yankee? I think it is. And it's sad. I feel like I, I've been seeing a lot of tweets on my timeline because obviously it's decision time on Brett Gardner and kind of why we're talking about it right now. Um, a lot of fans are saying that he's the most underappreciated Yankee that we've seen in the past couple of years. And I feel like that's true to an extent. Like I feel like he's got, and, and it's true for good reasons because he deserves the praise. It's not like, I mean, that's what underappreciated means, but I'm kind of going off on a tangent here and not really putting my sentence together, but he deserves it. It's just time to go. It's time to cut ties. Like we have a young Clint Frazier coming up. We spent a lot of money on Giancarlo Stanton. We're about to spend a lot of money on Aaron Judge. We tied up Aaron Hicks for seven years, $70 million. Um, like you said, there's just no spot for Brett Gardner, and his services are absolutely appreciated. He should not go down as an underappreciated Yankee, and he's going to get the goodbye he deserves. It's not going to be like a grand send-off, but like he's going to be appreciated, and he is one of the most loved Yankees of all time. Cash, we've battled over the years about Brett Gardner and his, I guess, place as a Yankee. Now it seems like Gardner's kind of days are over as a Yankee. So I guess as the biggest Brett Gardner fan on this show, I guess you're lasting, you know, send off for Gardner. I don't think it's over yet. Really? Okay. Um, first of all, thank you. I am the biggest Brett Gardner fan on the show. Um, I love that guy as if he's my father. Um, however, um, the Yankees have had this issue over the last few seasons um, of what's called an injury bug. So I think that Brett Gardner gets put on this roster as a permanent bench player um, because, you know, he's uh, pretty durable. He doesn't get hurt too often, knock on wood. Um, but, I mean, it's only a matter of time until Hicks goes on the I.L. And it's only a matter of time until Judge and Stanton, unfortunately, go on the I.L. And Frazier's had his issues with, with, with concussions. So it's only a matter of time until somebody needs to get called up. And I think that guy who gets called up is Jay Bruce. You know, he was signed to a minor league deal. Um, so I think that 
at least to start the season, I, I don't think Brett Gardner's time is up just yet. Um, I, I could be wrong. I've been wrong before, but I just think that Jay Bruce is, is the security blanket that Brian Cashman and the Yankees need. I wonder why I guess they chose Bruce over Gardner. Maybe because Bruce was willing to take a minor league deal and Gardner wasn't. I remember when, like 15 years ago when I was a kid, a similar situation happened with Bernie Williams. After the 2006 season, the Yankees offered him a minor league contract. Bernie thought that was um, disrespectful after all the years he's put into the Yankees organization. He never played a game for the Yankees again. He ended up retiring. I wonder if this is a similar situation. I just, while Cash was talking, I just wrote down the Yankees outfielders at the top of my head that are on the 40-man roster. I might be missing some, but it's Judge Hicks, Frazier, Bruce, Talkman, and Duhar. I guess in an emergency situation, Stanton could play the outfield still. But, you know, there's guys already on the roster that could fill in outfield spots if people, if and when, because you know it's going to be a when, people get hurt. So I wonder if we won't see Gardner unless it's an absolute emergency situation come the end of March and they need a body, then they bring him back. I think the thing here is the money. And I, like we've been bringing him, I mean, I keep saying we, but the Yankees have been bringing him back for the last, I want to say two years, but it might be three on these one year between eight and $12 million contracts. And I feel like Gardner might be trying to target the same thing because he knows he's gotten it in the past, but obviously the Yankees are now years in the future. They have probably different needs of team success to happen going on. Um, and, and like we're, we've been saying, there's no spot for Gardner and we got a guy like Jay Bruce. Now the difference between Bruce and Gardner is obviously the defense that Gardner provides and the speed that he has on the base path. But bat wise, if you look at the stat lines, like I know they're going to be able to do different things and Bruce is going to have more pop on a more consistent basis than Gardner would. And even that's arguable because we've seen Gardner hit 25, 30 home runs. It's just not a $10 million stat line. And, and that's really kind of what it comes down to. Yeah, it's just it's time to move on from from Guardy. He did a ton for that organization. Uh, played a solid defense. He played his he played his role. He was never he was never a star, and he understood that. And he he did what he did had to do for that team for them to win. Uh, I, I like the signing of Jay Bruce. He spent the last year and a half with the Phillies. He was a good bench bat. They brought him in to be a bench bat, and he ended up having to play a lot more um, than they expected. And he produces, and he he's not a slouch in the outfield, but he's he's not great. Um, he's going to take advantage of that short porch. Uh, Cash, you had mentioned something about him going down to the minors. I I gotta imagine it's, I gotta imagine his contract is if I don't make this opening day roster, I can opt out and become a free agent. Um, and I I would assume the Yankees brought him in to be that bench bat, be a lefty, um, DH if they need him to. But yeah, I, I know you guys, it's up and down with Gardy, but he was a really good player. He he did a lot of good things, but it's just time to move on. Um, and they, they just have depth. Yeah, like signing Gardy back at $10 million is not worth it at this point when you can get production out of a, a Jay Bruce, out of a Michael Talkman um, in those spots. Yeah, I think the Yankees, because they don't want Gardner to be a starter anymore, and that's rightfully going to go to Clint Frazier for 2021 and beyond, it's not worth it with his, I guess, diminished skill set as he's gotten older to have him as the you know, fourth outfielder off the bench. I think that position, the fourth outfielder position, it relatively goes, I don't know, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but in my opinion, it goes to like a power guy off the bench, exactly like how a Jay Bruce could be. Remember the Phillies had, I guess, Matt Stairs years ago, right? Just come off the bench, hit bombs, and that's nope. it. That's apparently how the Yankees use Mike Ford kind of guy that Gardner is now at this point in his career. I guess that's just not worth it off the bench anymore. Yeah, it, it, it's not. And you know what? If the Yankees were a National League team where defensive replacements and and double switches and stuff like that happen, uh, you know, he might have a spot on the team because. He does a little bit more American League baseball. The bench isn't utilized as much. Their, their role is a little bit more diminished versus a National League team. Um, 
Yeah, just at this point, the money is not worth the production for him to be a bench guy. So just, just you know, move on and wish him luck wherever he ends up. Because I, I do think he has a job somewhere. Somebody will find a need for him. Do you think it's more of a Tanaka situation? Remember, Tanaka was like, it's either the Yankees or Japan. I'm not playing a Major League Baseball team that's not the Yankees. Do you think Gardner has that level of loyalty? I don't think Gardner's going I to play in Japan. I, but... I would be shocked if there's no job offer for him somewhere else in major league baseball but does he want to do that i feel like it's kind of similar i don't know he, he seems like a i don't know he seems like a grinder to me where he would just he would want to keep playing until he he physically can't even if it meant you know leaving if he played his last game as a yankee does 11 get retired no i don't think I don't so either think so but it's like an honorable mention. Like that's where I would. Do you think he gets it. a monument? You can get a monument and not no. have your number retired. No, I feel like if you give Brett Gardner a monument, you open the door for to a get, lot of players after Brett Gardner. Like if you're gonna give Brett Gardner a monument, does like does Bernie Williams have a monument? Yes, the number's retired too. This is true. Does Hideki Matsui have a monument? I think he does. Yes, I think so. See, like those surprise. I mean, Bernie doesn't surprise me. Hideki surprises me a little bit. Hideki Matsui was two thousand nine World Series MVP. Of course, of course. I guess the. I don't know. I I think that I'll tell you this: if Brett Gardner gets his number retired and A Rod doesn't, I mean, that's all I got. That's all I'm gonna say. I know I think that he there gets was a Hideki Matsui day. I don't know if he got a monument though. Yeah, you Say it can again. Give him one. I think he. I think he's valuable, and he, I think he's appreciated amongst the organization. He might not be. I know Paul O'Neill has a monument, but doesn't have his number retired. Officially. He will next year. What was that? I'm sorry. He will next year have his number retired. Did I they announce that? Spo- I think it was supposed to happen this year. Oh, really? Okay. I think. I, I, I don't, don't quote me that. on it. Yankees are running out of numbers, guys. Is they Posada are. They are running too? Out of I feel like Posada's coming up. Posada's already retired. Retired. Yeah. Am I losing it? Are you sure? <laughs> a little bit. Glenn, I don't know about I that I feel one. like Posada is not yeah, is. retired. I feel like that's uh, a ceremony you remember. Time. And he's... I don't know. Posada's I mean, number was retired f- on August 22nd, 2015. Wow. I mean, the more and more we talk, Brett Gardner is going to get a monument. I don't think it gets retired, though. But then again, if we're retiring Posada's number, I feel like Brett Gardner has to get retired. Well, there's a difference well, between a monument. This is my bad. There's a difference between a monument, which are the big three. You guys have been in there. The big three, Garrett, Ruth, and, and plaque. And then there's a plaque that just like a little thing that goes on the wall. I think he could get that. Well, yes. Gardner's going to get that without a doubt. He won't get a monument, but... I think there's I only three monuments or four. I don't know. You Jeter lose track. Mo has one. No, there's more than three have monuments. I'm gonna look it up. All right. Well, whatever. I mean, so the wall, whatever. the wall pieces are those pinstripe circles with the numbers in them. Every, like those are the numbers monument- retired. And then on the wall, there's like these small little like four by eight plaques. And then there's the big statue like monuments. Yeah, Steinbrenner has one. Uh, obviously, yeah. there's this a is 9/11 such a big problem one. to have. Like the pirates, and a Ruth like one and a Dimaggio. I don't know. The Pirates and the Royals, they're like those podcasts, they're not uh they're not talking about this right now. They're not they, they don't have that problem. They have can get won. out on the fun. There's a lot of Phillies history. Yeah, Regardless, they have a nice um, they have a nice thing out in center we, field. We will see if this thing. is the end of Brett Gardner. I think there is an outside chance if like everybody gets hurt. Knock on wood, that doesn't happen. But if everyone gets hurt, then Gardner's, I guess, the fo- the first phone call. Um and you know he'll stay in shape no matter what, even if he's on a team for the next month or not. Yeah, the banging Yankees, dugouts um, like this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yankees bring in Robinson Chirinos, who was Garrett Coles's Coles personal catcher for his couple years in Houston. Um, Cole specifically worked with Kyle Higashioka during the second half of the 2020 season. Pitched very well in, in comparison to when he uh, partnered up with Gary Sanchez. I think this could lead to a, a really interesting, I guess, dynamic with Gary Sanchez because first of all. I think for Gary Sanchez, for this to work, for him to come back, not only does he have to hit, right? Not only does he have to raise his batting average and cut down on his strikeout percentage, but he also has to have a working relationship, 
a successful working relationship with the ace of the Yankees, and that's Garrett Cole. Because I, because when you get to the playoffs, and Sanchez, let's say Sanchez like hits very well in 2021, he has a bounce back season, and all those questions are answered about whether he's the guy for the Yankees, and then he has to sit games one, four, seven, whatever have you, because he just can't work with Garrett Cole. That that's a problem. You remember uh, with for, correct me if I'm Johnson. Wrong. And Jorge Posada had a problem. AJ Burnett, Jorge Posada had a problem. You can't you can't uh, spite was... the offense in big games when your ace is on the mound. So I think a very underrated aspect to this Gary Revenge tour that we're gonna try to see over the course of the next six to eight months is his battery with Garrett Cole. I've been I mean, waiting I for a revenge tour for a while now. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. Um, mainly because Every I feel like a lot of aces have their go-to guy. Like you mentioned AJ Burnett, like he only pitched to Molina, and that continued in the 2009 playoffs. Um, and I, I mean, yeah, it was a problem in Posada's mind, but Posada cried about a few different things, if I remember correctly, towards the end of his career. So, um, I don't know. I, I think that um. Gary needs to focus on his bat. I mean, the, the glove will be there. If he comes into camp in shape, the glove will be there. Um, he's got a, an unbelievable arm, but um, if he can hit, he's going to be in the playoffs games. Whether it's behind the plate or at DH, he'll, he'll be there. Scott, hypothetically, do you think it would be a problem if Nola's ERA was a run lower with the backup catcher than with Rio Muto, and then you had must-win games in September and October that you had to win with Nola on the mound, but real Muto uh, not in the lineup. Of course. If Andrew Knapp is... Oh, they don't have a DH. Yeah, if Andrew Knapp is catching serious end-of-season games for the Phillies, uh, that's an issue. But that's that's the great thing about JT is he's a defender first. Like, he's so yeah, good behind the plate. Um, but I'm not... I, I don't even think it's about... I don't even think it's about no, the I defense know. I'm just catching saying. the ball, throwing the ball. It's about the calling of the game. And the chemistry between pitcher and catcher. Yeah, it's a huge, uh, you know, part of the game. A, a great example is a couple of years ago when Yasmani Grandal was on the Dodgers. He was essentially benched by the Dodgers because he was having a rough time behind the plate. He was not per, he was not receiving well. He was not calling games well, and they were playing uh, Austin Barnes behind the plate in the postseason. Um, Yasmani Grandal has gone on to fix that. He got his contract last year, but yeah, I, I I think it's an issue if if your your number one catcher doesn't have a great relationship with the starting pitchers, you know, top to bottom, because um, he's got to be out there. And I think the Chirinos signing puts pressure on Gary uh, to get his act together. Um, it, I mean. So it's going to be a battle between him and Higgy, but you know Higgy played better than Gary last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's a, a very important time for for Sanchez in New York. If he doesn't hit, he's might be packing his bags because I do think somebody would take a chance on him um, in a trade if he became available. I don't like he he still has value because he's still young. You guys got anything else? On Silence. <laughs> Silence. Silence is the number one, I guess, hint to move on, move the conversation on. Um, just one more thing. I think as we go into spring training, I think every time Garrett Cole starts in spring training, I think Gary needs to catch him. Every single. No, that, that's I don't. That's absolutely not going to happen. Of course, it's it low will. leverage spots though. Like you might as well see what if happens. If Torinos is fighting for a spot and he works well with Cole, that's. Who's going to get? But the in ball. spring training, the whole point is to get Gary and Cole together because you're He's not catch playing... him every single time. What? I feel like he will catch him every single time, if not almost every single time. That's the that's the key relationship. If you're if you're coddling Robinson Chirinos over your catcher for the past however many years and trying to sneak this third stringer in because of his working relationship two years ago with uh, Garrett Cole. I'm not downplaying the relationship. Brian Cashman, Brian Cashman didn't bring him in for no reason. 
Of course, but he's and not. We saw we saw a few weeks ago that there is no love lost right now between Brian Cashman and Gary Sanchez. But he also this is, is he's absolute... paying him millions of dollars a year. It will behoove no, him not. to. What are you talking about? Gary Sanchez is in arbitration he... right now. He's getting a couple million dollars. I'm pretty sure. Is he? Got to be. I thought he was on his rookie deal. So that's it's around eight fault, to ten but... million dollars, if I'm not mistaken. Whew. Gary's getting 6.35 6. 6. this year. Yeah. I mean, like, that's a lot of money to give a guy that you're saying I'm not really tied to. Like, it's arbitration. You're going to have to make a decision on the guy anyways. Like, and his bat, the upside is so much more than Kyle Higashioka or Robinson Chirinos. And if you want him to eventually, he I let's backtrack. Brian Cashman's mind. If Gary Sanchez could fix his relationship with Garrett Cole and actually consistently catch him the way you're supposed to catch Garrett Cole, the ace of your staff, he will gladly sign the release papers for Robinson Chirinos. And I'm sure Garrett Cole would too, because the bat that you get from Gary Sanchez and the overall production when he's right is miles better than anything you can possibly get from Robinson Chirinos, regardless of the level of comfort with Garrett Cole. I agree. We'll see what happens. It's going to be a very interesting, I guess, spring training and then first month and a half of the season because I don't think Sanchez is getting past Memorial Day if he's going to hit and perform the way he did last year. So we'll see what that that comes with that. Um, one more Yankees note, the Justin Wilson signing. Um, so they, they essentially get rid of Ottavino and then they get O'Day and Wilson. What is our confidence level going into spring training on the Yankees bullpen? So you have Chapman, Britton, Green at the top, and then you're going to have O'Day, Wilson, Sessa, Luizaga, maybe Schmidt, maybe King. What, what, where, are we, where are we on the Yankees' bullpen? I, right now, um, am pretty happy with it, actually. I, Tyler did not think I was going to say that. I, I did no, not. I, I actually wasn't. I had no preconceived notions of what you are going to say. I did. I had a preconceived notion. I thought you were going to hate it. No. I Listen, I'm going to... I, I went on a rant a, a couple months ago about the Yankees and how they didn't know what they were doing. And obviously that's not true. I was just angry, but they've really proved me wrong. Brian Cashman proved me wrong so far. Listen, so far. It's only February um, 16th. I mean, if, if they get knocked out in the LCS again, I, I, whatever. So my point is I'm a little concerned with Chapman. I have zero faith in him every time he comes on the mound. And I don't know if that's just me, but like when he comes on the mound in a one-run game, I really don't think we're going to win. Can you give me I mean, three guys you would rather over him that are attainable? Oh, I didn't say there was anyone attainable. I just, I'd argue why, that. I, I complain I, about one of the best top five closers in the league. It's just I'd pointless. argue there's two I, I, guys. I'm not complaining. I just made a comment. I just said I worry about him. I didn't say but I there didn't doesn't have to be team. a problem with everything. He's the best piece of that bullpen. Why are you going after that guy? I'd argue that there's Britain's two guys the best piece. in the bullpen itself that I would have before Chapman in the ninth inning. I make the argument I trust Green and Britain more than I trust Chapman. Oh, my God. Get, I, no, 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 no. Not you green. just said that, Britain, Cash. You maybe. just said Britain's better. I said gr- not green. Britain, maybe. Okay. Let me finish speaking before you yell at me. All right. I just don't know why you're going after the closer, who's like a oldest Chapman for God's I'm not sake. Going, I'm not going after him. All I, made, all I said was I made a comment that when he comes into the game, I don't think we're going to win. Uh, Scott, That's you're it. not in the New York bubble. Chapman doesn't throw 104 miles an hour anymore. Has to rely on his soft stuff a little bit more than he did three or four years ago. As an outside looking in kind of guy watching Chapman, what are your thoughts? Do you think this guy should be trusted in high leverage situations, especially in October, in after two straight years of giving up home runs to end their season? It's tough. I, I still think you you go to him, but yeah, it's a hard image when the last two years you've you've seen him standing oh, on the mound one smiling. One one and a half. One and a half. The I'll last they cheated. The last two years or three years, whatever he's the season has ended with Chapman standing on the mound, smiling, 
looking up in the air like he he's has not no happy. idea. Come on. Yeah. It's more like a, it, I cannot like, believe yeah, it's like a cheap shot, Scott. It's no, no, that's not what I'm saying. Like, he's just befuddled. Like, I don't like what's going on. Which means he knows he's capable of it because he is and he's always capable yeah. of it. it he, he's, still, he's, it. he's still really, really good. He's still feared. Um, but I can understand the, the concern. Like, I don't think it's outrageous what Cash is saying that you don't always trust him. But I sure as hell would take him in the Phillies bullpen after what I saw last year. Trying to find a tweet that I saw a couple days ago um, about Aroldis Chapman in the postseason. Oh, here. Listen to this. Um, no, that's not it. I think I saw Please hold. Aroldis, yeah, it was from Talking Yanks. Aroldis Chapman has pitched in 17 playoff games for the Yankees. Having allowed a run in three of those postseason outings, Chapman has a 1.7 ERA, 30 strikeouts in 21 innings with six saves and no blown saves. Now, he's allowed a run in three of those postseason outings. Now, two of them are in the very recent history. And you know what? They're all actually in pretty big spots. It's the Rajai Davis home run. It's the Altuve home run. And it's the Brasso no, wait, home isn't run. It- that's it. Three you, home runs. Is that tweet only Yankees playoff stats? Yeah. Okay. So then the third one was not the Rajay Davis home run. Uh, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember what the other run was. I think it was like in the wild card game. In one of those two wild card games. Is, it was you kind have of like to a even nitpick run. to think of a third run that this guy's yeah. let up in 17 innings. We probably shouldn't be nitpicking. But when you give guy. up home runs in those kind okay. of spots. Okay, okay, hold on. It's hold a pitch. On. You got to tip your hat to the hold hitter. On. Like it's Hold one on. pitch. It, we're on. talking about two pitches. We're critiquing a guy's whole career and postseason acumen over two. That's not what pitches. I said. That's not what I said. What I said was in recent history, right? So the last two appearances that I remember, or the last two that we, he ended on the last two. I'm not speaking English, but Chapman ended the season. There it is. Chapman gave up the game-winning one run to end the season in the last two years. He's not going to be Superman forever. So he's degrading a little bit. He's not degrading. They're two pitches, literally two pitches. We're nitpicking a guy's career over All two right, pitches. Whatever. Two pitches. I'm not nitpicking his career. I didn't nitpick his career. All I said was I don't have full faith in him when he's on the mound. I saw I Tyler Wade fair. hit a home run in Scranton. That's a home run. That's a it, it's a fluke. It's Tyler Wade hitting a home run. Like this stuff happens. He gave it up to Jose Tyler Wade when they were banging baseball tra- trash cans and Mike Brasso having a little fluke run and going crazy for the race maybe not a fluke i don't know he's a good baseball player but like two pitches and we're going to critique our closer when he's the least of our worries so i i didn't realize that he had only given up three runs as in the last couple of years so that's that's in the pretty impressive in the postseason yeah yeah. Under, yeah obviously um but it, it's just it those moments stand out more than the ones exactly. where he of course doesn't give up a run. That, that's all and, I'm saying. And the Yankees, you know, hopefully, I guess we can all, I guess, assume, make the kind of observation that they're going to be in similar spots when October comes around this year. Chapman's going to have to not give up the season-ending home run for the third straight year. That's, I guess, the main point of this segment. Um, moving on. Fangraphs came out with a uh, percentage of making the playoffs graph. They gave the Orioles zero, zero percent, not even a point zero, 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 one. They just made it. No, not happening. I believe the Marlins had point one. I think the Rockies had like point five, but they didn't even give the Orioles just the disrespect. They didn't even give them a point one. Um, they had the Yankees um, at like 90 something percent. They had the Mets at a greater percentage to make the playoffs than the Braves. We saw that with Pakoda as well. I don't understand where these people, these math people and these algorithm people are going to say that the Mets are better than the Braves. I don't, I don't see it. I, I just, I don't know where they're getting their data. Yeah. I'll kick that, it off. Right, that, ahead, that one, that's the one that stands out the most. I think to me is the Mets over, over the Braves. Uh, we were texting about it earlier. I said the Braves were, one inning away from making it to the World Series. They had five guys finish in the top 20 for MVP voting. They had Max Freed finish in the top five of the Cy Young. Uh, plus, they're getting Mike Soroka back. They brought back Marcelo. Like, this team is very, very, very they good. They got Drew Smiley, right? They got Charlie yeah. Morton, right? 
like they're they're a very good team. They're and very I, quietly one of the big winners of the offseason. Yeah. So I, I don't know why they're getting disrespected. I, I don't I don't understand it whatsoever. Um like they they they're the favorite in the division until they're not. And to to put the Mets ahead of them is is pretty ridiculous. They have the Mets at 81% to make the playoffs, Braves at 67%, Washington 24%. Scott, they have the Phillies at 13%. Is that fair? Yes, keep the expectations low. Do you think it's fair that they're below Washington? I think so, just because Washington has Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin. Uh, Pitching-wise, they're better, but lineup-wise, the Phillies are a much better uh, team. I think I think the Phillies are much better than you know what they have been. They've done a lot. They're their fifth-highest payroll um, in baseball. They spent a lot this offseason. I'm hoping they're going to be better, but I'm keeping expectations low for myself. I don't want to be hurt again. I can only handle so much heartbreak. Um, so I, I will gladly take uh, 13.4%. I have a serious question. Go ahead. And Tyler, you're the accountant. So you're the I just looked away from my other monitors so I can inhale this information. Uh, you're the math whiz here. So let me, let me ask. It's, not actually possible for the Orioles to have a zero percent chance, right? Correct, but I don't think it's actually zero. I think it's like it's not. It's between zero and zero point one, which is what the Marlins have. So it's greater than zero, but less than the Marlins. I guess my point is they it should it shouldn't be zero percent. But if you round it down, it I guess I just think it's rude. It's not. It's just forget the rude. It's it's. It's um, you don't know who made the graphic though, though. It wasn't the analytics guy that made the graphic. It's probably like graphic design person is probably like, all right, go to like two decimal points reading off of an email. And then the graphic goes up. I don't know. I'm just saying, I, I don't know, whatever. Never mind. My, my point's now not valid. So. No, you're right. You're a hundred percent right. I'm not, I'm not trying to. Invalidate. Well, what, what, no, no. Colorado no, no, has 0.1. Pittsburgh has 0.4. Miami has 0.7. Texas 0.8. Detroit, 2%. Orioles, 0%. Those are the last place teams. So my point is, if that number is wrong, I feel like the whole thing's discredited. Meaning the Mets, I don't I don't get it. It's not wrong. I don't That's know the thing. why. It's just round. No, I understand. No, yeah. I understand. I understand. That's why my, my point was discredited. But I just don't understand the numbers behind the Mets. Because if you look at the last few seasons – they have I, – I mean, I've exhausted this point the last I could pick weeks. it up for you because I've been looking at this like the last couple of minutes it's, while you guys were talking. Um, it's crazy up- to me because th- – sorry, Ty. Let me just finish Go this one yeah, point. Yeah. They can have the best starting rotation of all time, but it doesn't matter because their their bullpen cannot sustain a lead. So to me, that's, an, that's a huge issue, and I don't care what – Edwin Diaz's numbers are supposed to be in 2021. I won't believe it until I see it. So what I've been looking at here is the Roto-Wire projections for this season. Uh, I got the Braves going up against the Mets over here. So it's basically, I mean, I want to look at the pitching rotation because I feel like that's where the disparity is, at least in the projections. I, I mean, I said it in our group chat earlier that I thought that they don't, really think i guess that the braves younger pitchers are going to make the next step or soroka is not going to be able to make the next step like he was a cy young finalist but they're projecting him at 3.23 era 23 games started like that's not a contribution of a full season because they have max freed in here with 31 starts so they're i mean you got a spot to fill early in the season before soroka comes back and I don't know. You look at the Mets. I just feel like you go up and down the roster. The Braves are better. Well, all right. So let me look at the Mets here. 32 starts for DeGrom, 31 Carrasco, 30 Stroman, 25 Syndergaard, and 27 for David Peterson. We know Lugo's out now. Um, 2.4 ERA for DeGrom, then mid threes for Carrasco, Stroman, and Peterson, and a 4.24 projected for Syndergaard. Now that's interesting. That doesn't really back up my case very much, but I feel like that's – I don't know. He's coming back from Tommy John. I guess they're not expecting him to be four point two four though. Like that's. Let, let me ask you this: What do they have for Severino? Because they're he's coming back from the same injury at the same time. Uh, let me check it out for you. Or even Chris Sale. 
Um, on they the have Boston at 47% making the playoffs, and that's better than Tampa Bay by like 29%. Severino, 3.6, but only 11 starts. So it's still almost a full ERA, a full yeah. run better than Noah Syndergaard. I feel like that's not really warranted. I don't know how they project. I don't know the math behind it. Do they go by? Yeah, I mean, I don't. If I know one thing from trying to make models, it's not perfect, and you're gonna have irregularities. So, like, okay. that's why there are different ones, like Pakoda, and just a bunch of different organizations coming out with them because you can have those differences depending on how you build it up. So, Fangraphs has Boston forty-seven percent. They have Tampa at eighteen percent. Where? What am I missing there? I don't, I, I don't know. I, I, it's probably just market-wise, the the Red Sox are more likely to back their way into a postseason than the Rays are just based off of being the Red Sox. I don't know. I I, I think the Rays are going to take a huge step back, um, but I think 18% is kind of low. Do you think, projections aside, let's forget about this for a second, do you think Boston's made enough moves to get them back, get themselves no. back into contention a little bit? They You've brought in the Hernandez. They brought in um, Garrett Richards. It's they a net in... negative when you're sending away Andrew Benintendi. That's a good point. It's just, yeah. I don't know. I, I I think at this point, you know, they're just trying to lose. I don't know why. That's the music to Red... my ears. You have the Boston Red Sox. Like, you have one of the greatest. I don't agree with that, Ty. I think baseball is better and it's more fun when the Yankees and Red Sox have a uh, rivalry. It, yeah, it should. I can and... get behind that. It was more it, of a joke, but yeah, it's, I agree. It no, sucks I know, I know, for those fans that they're going to put them through that um, again this year. Like, it sucks for Rafi Devers. It sucks for Xander Bogarts. It sucks for Chris Sale. Like, those established major leaguers that are there, like, looking around, like, what the hell just happened? We had Mookie Betts here. We had Jackie Bradley Jr. here. We had uh, uh, Ben Attendee, who we just traded to. The, like, we're only – two seasons away from removed from them or three seasons now from them winning the world series. Like this guy's got to be looking around like Will Smith at, at the end of uh fresh Prince where he's in the living room, just looking around. like there's nothing there. Like what's the it's point? Sad. It is sad. Yeah. But, you know, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it, but as cash says, the baseball is better when the Yankees and Red Sox are both good at the same time. They're, Baseball is better when the Dodgers and Giants are good at the same time. And I guess, I guess Cardinals Cubs would be the central, I guess, version of that rivalry. I don't know, but yeah, definitely baseball is better with rivalries. And right now the Red Sox aren't holding up their end of the bargain. A couple other moves that happened over the last week. James Paxton is out of New York back to the Seattle Mariners on a one year, eight and a half million dollar contract. What the, the funniest thing we talked about this last week about how free agents seem to just use the Mets as kind of like a negotiation ploy and not actually want to sign with them. The Mets lost out on Paxton by a couple million dollars. Um, so they lose, they get outbid again for another guy. So Paxton back to the Mariners. Wait, whoa, whoa. I didn't even Mariners hold on, I didn't even know up. that the, Paxton picked the Mariners over the Mets, yes. Yeah. And they didn't match them by a couple million dollars. I believe it was eight and a half with incentives to make it ten million, and the Mets offered six and a half. I mean, that's a lot of money when you're talking that little. It's not the difference between thirty-five and thirty-seven. But the Mets to get outbid by the Mariners. Is that's so bad. bad. Steve Cohen. You don't know how willing they were. He's not an all star. Steve Cohen came out here saying, I'm going to spend all the money in the world to make this team better, and he's done shit. We, I, fine, fine. I agree with I you. Know we can't keep doing sad. this every week when a new guy signs with another team and it's not the Mets. Like, it's exhausting. Well, if they offered him a contract and they wanted him, they should have paid him. That's what, that's Who all knows if they, how bad they wanted him. They valued him at six and a half mil, and they got outbid. Like, you what? know what? And he might have wanted to know. get out of New York after. He used to be in, in Seattle, too, so yeah, it's familiar That's where he came him. from. That's where he's come, he came up there. Like, he might have wanted he's to get out He's also from, like, I think he's from Vancouver, which is a short drive from Seattle. It's a big maple. Yeah, he's a Canadian. Um, so Paxton never really worked with the Yankees. He had a couple good moments, especially that ALCS start he had in game five against the Astros. I think he went around seven innings in that game save their season for 48 hours but you know he just never was able to stay healthy that's been his entire career he's shown flashes and has never fully developed because of his injuries he's a big guy throws hard but just never been healthy 
on goes, the, back, goes back to Seattle in a more pitcher-friendly ballpark, too. On the surface, he's like this six four, six five lefty, throws 100 miles an hour. On the surface, he's a guy that every organization would dream of having. But as you said, Scott, his entire career has been – you know, hampered by these these injuries, and it's really halted what you know was a really potentially great career. And you know, hopefully, he finds it in Seattle. Um, Seattle is a very young team; they're not going to win right away. Who knows? That division isn't you know the best, the AL West. But you know, you got the the Astros are still there, the Angels, the A's, uh, the Rangers. I don't think they're going to be around. They're going to be contending anytime soon. But you know. I guess he goes there and he lectures the young pitchers they have, especially the young pitchers that Paxton was traded for in the first place from the Yankees, like Justice Sheffield. Yeah, uh, uh, good for him. Go back, um, be a mentor there. I, I, I personally like the Mariners. I, I think they're a very exciting team. Uh, I think they're gonna be fun to uh, to follow this upcoming year. Um, personally, I think they could win the division. Just really. Yeah, because it's a weak division, they're a young team. They got really nothing to lose. Like, why not? Do you have a Marlins story? Hot take of the year that they will win the division. It could be. I I put it out there a couple weeks ago that I believed in them. Uh, I think they have the longest postseason drought in baseball now. Um, I think in sports now. Possibly, it might be. It's two thousand one, I believe. So, um, it's been a long time for them. I'm I'm rooting for the Mariners this year. Not Paxton in particular, but rooting for the Mariners. You could guess at their odds to win the division. Long. Guess. Wild Five percent. You'd like Vegas odds or Vegas odds. Vegas odds. Plus what? I don't know that kind twenty thousand. No, it's plus 2,200. This is on my site, but this site is notorious for giving me bad futures lines, so it's probably <laughs> somewhere close to, like, plus 3,000. Which, I mean, getting, what is it, 30 to 1? Yeah, 30 to 1 on your money, it's not bad. Yeah. Roll the dice, Scott. Let's see it. <laughs> Maybe Another veteran pitcher returning to a team that he was previously on, Jake Arrieta goes from Scott's Phillies back to Chicago where he had his best years of his career. Um, I thought this was interesting because, you know, everything up until this point was that the Cubs were kind of tearing things down. They were looking to trade Bryant. Um, Theo Epstein left. They traded you Darvish to San Diego. Uh, and then now they bring in Jake Arietta. I guess just because they needed someone to start games for them. Uh, I don't think this propels Chicago to, I guess, com- uh, to compete with St. Louis, but you know, nice to see Arietta go back to where he, I guess, ha- flourished and not in Philadelphia. I guess that's, that's good, I heard good, with that. good riddance. Like, thank I God heard, he's gone. I heard the Mets offered him like four million dollars less. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> uh, I don't think anybody I'm wanted Arietta. I don't think anybody wanted Arietta after the last three years in Philly. He was terrible. Uh, and just an epitome of the Phillies over that time frame. There was a series where they went out to San Francisco. They scored one run on a Jake Arrieta home run. Entire series, three-game series. They scored one run, Jake Arrieta hit a home run. Um, about the best moment of his Phillies tenure. But thank God he's gone because he stunk. No, no, you guys have nothing on Arietta. Oh, really? I mean, Do you think I like he finds him. anything. It's a relevant move. I can tell you a story, actually. Give me a second. So, it was freshman year of college, and I was managing um, my friend's fantasy baseball team. Two hundred fifty dollars buy-in, big pay, big payout. Huge. Uh, it's like a thousand or fifteen hundred dollars to the winner, and I'm managing it all year. We got Jake Arietta. He's our ace. This is the year he threw a no hitter. Comes down to the last game of the year. We're down by like thirty points. In the championship, Jake Arrieta goes out. He throws the no-hitter, and we ended up clinching, and that was it. So you got some money from Jake Arrieta. Yeah, I didn't really get money of it, but I didn't get many dollars, but it's okay. Still cool, though. I do like him. and he what he he had originally in Chicago? I don't think it's possible. I think he's past his prime. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. Moving on, moving on, moving on. 
Uh, Andrew Benintendi to the Royals, Kevin Pillar to the Mets, more like, I guess, under, I guess, as Cash would say, irrelevant moves. Um, do we think Kansas City is a sleeper team this year? No. I, I don't think so. I was watching MLB Network the other day, and some of their guys were were on them as a, as a team that uh, could make a push. I, I don't see it quite yet. I don't know. Ben, if Ben Attendee bounces back, uh, sure. Like they got out of Bruno Mondesi. Um, they, they brought in Carlos Santana. They got Salvador Perez who had a, had a nice year. I just think they're a little too young right now. Um, they might be able to compete in that central. Cause it's, as we've mentioned before, a, a poor division. I don't think they're there yet. Um, I think it's the opposite Scott. I think they're too old. I think they're, who who's old let, on that team? Let me run this down it's for you. Sal Perez and Carlos Santana are Jorge Soler is 30 years old. Whit Merrifield is DH. Fine. Whit Merrifield is 32. Then you keep going up. Uh Ben Attendee's young. They have Michael A. Taylor. They I feel Nicky Lopez is young. Adalberto Mond Adalberto Mondesi is young. Um Carlos Santana is old. Perez is old. Like and their pitching rotation is pretty old. Their bullpen's old. They have Greg Holland probably closing for them. I don't know. What is the age? I don't think they're old at all. I mean, Mike Miner and Danny Duffy are leading that rotation, and then Brady Singer and Keller are behind them, but it's no younger than any other team, in my opinion. But they they, they have guys that are coming up. Like, they've torn this it down, true? and they're they're building it again. That's but in terms they of being a sleeper this year, I don't think they're there. Yeah, I, think the I, I don't – I don't see it, but I was just saying there's people that are, are talking about them as a yeah, that's why I asked because I think I watched the same thing that Scott saw on MLB Network. They're very high on the potential of Kansas City. I I'm don't think tonight. I apologize. I don't guys. think it's this year. I don't think I, it's this year. I think it's yeah. I don't. Year. I don't agree. But it, I mean, everything's possible. Like guys, the, the, we. I mean, it's different year, but like the Marlins made the playoffs last year, and exactly. no one, no one thought they had a you know a shot to even do that. So. Anything can happen. It's obviously a longer season this year, more difficult, but you know what? I, I wouldn't rule it out as a possibility. I just don't see it. Good for me. Let's wrap this thing up with the Dodgers. Um, Justin Turner resigns with Los Angeles. The Dodgers don't care about <laughs> your damn luxury tax. They do not give a shit about it. We talked about this the other day about what's better for the sport of baseball, for them to be a tax or for there to be a floor. Now, the, the, the purpose of the salary tax, the luxury tax, is to kind of scare big teams away from spending and kind of burying smaller teams with their fini- the financial advantage that they have being in a bigger market. But what we've learned over the past five, six years is that the big teams are going to spend and the little teams are not going to spend regardless if there's a tax or not. So do you think that in the next collective bargaining agreement, do you think it should be changed where instead of there's a tax at 210, instead there's a floor of 85, $90 million? I think you keep both. I think you add the floor. I think you still need to have a luxury tax. Um, because that money is going back to those smaller market teams. Um, so I, I think you add the floor in. I think it's necessary because Trevor Bauer is getting paid more money than the Pirates and the Orioles and maybe the Royals as well, all combined. Like that should not be happening. They're not, there should not be one singular player getting paid more money than an entire team. That's bad. That's bad for baseball. It's not bad that the Dodgers are choosing to do that. It says a lot more about the smaller teams. You got to spend money. You got to do it for the fans. Like the fans are giving you their hard-earned money to show up on a Wednesday night in May and drink a $10 beer. Like you owe it to them to put something competitive out on the field. I wholeheartedly agree. I feel like the answer is both. Um, Really not much more to it. We kind of exhausted this in the group chat and I don't want to go off on the whole owner's net worth tangent, but yeah, I I just agree with what Scott said. 
So do I. Not much else to say. I fully like, agree. I think we need like, both. Every every other sport has this. Like basketball requires it. The NFL requires you to spend a certain amount of their salary cap to create a competitive balance. And baseball doesn't really have that right now. It's very top heavy. Um, because like the Pirates are a historic organization. Like there's a lot of good history there. They have a good fan base. The Orioles, there's a lot of history there. They have a good fan base. Even like the Royals have a good fan base too. Like during the World Series, they were showing out and they have like they have celebrity fan base. Like these historic teams are just bottom feeding right now, and it shouldn't be that way. Like everyone should be relevant and have like somewhat of a chance. Like I understand at a point you got to rebuild, but you can't just sit there and do nothing. Exactly. I think you're. I think you're absolutely right. I think I ne- it never really crossed my mind to keep both. I always thought it was one or the other, but I don't see why you can't have both. Now that you mention it, it's just, it's just, it's just sad because, as you said, when there are singular players that are making more than entire organizations, that's that's not good for the sport. And I don't understand why, you know, some of these owners, Pirates, Royals, Rays, Oakland. They have these teams and they're holding it hostage, right? They're just using it as like, I guess, like a sports car and keeping it in the garage for 30 years and never driving it. What's the point of having an organization if you're not going to invest and try to make it a competitive, like I, I, a competitive, competitive team? There's other things as a billionaire you can buy that'll just make money, right? You don't need to own a sports team to get secondary income if you're a billionaire businessman. You should have a team, and this goes for all sports, you should have a team that you're passionate about that you want to make successful. And I feel like there's a lot of owners in baseball that just have a baseball team just to say that they own a baseball team. Yeah, and I feel like it's, I mean, while it's messed up from the fans' perspective, it's also their right to have that. But I feel like if they have the money to own that team and to continue operating the team and they're okay with however the financials look, whether that's losing money, making money year in and year out, however much money losing, however much money, I don't know. Some people don't mind losing money every year if it's a tiny bit and they are eventually going to sell the team and recoup all of their losses anyways in profit because the team's appreciating. Yeah. However, sorry, go ahead. No, that's the thing. Like these sports teams aren't like any other like thing that you can buy. Like for the most part, all sports teams are appreciated value. Like hundred percent. Pro- like their values are getting more. Like I know the, when the Sixers, when Harrison Blitzer bought the Sixers, they bought it for like 300, $400 million. The Sixers are now valued at like 2 billion. Like they would it's make s- so much money. Like, be, like, I don't know because like TV deals are going up ad, like ev- ad, re- everything's like in sports isn't going down like everything's going up like there's really no reason why like at this point if they didn't want uh, an owner didn't want a team that they should not sell it because you're gonna make money no matter what the thing for me here though is we've seen it kind of in all of these arguments with the cba not the cba but between the players union and the owners slash the mlb commissioner's office however you want to pin the sides against each other i feel like given the fact that the owners have like a complete and okay ethical legal right to do what they do with the team and own it the way they do, there has to be somebody to bring down that action. And that action is going to be from the MLB. So now my question to you guys, I guess, is the way we've seen these negotiations play out over various issues. Do you think the MLB is willing to, I guess, kind of step on their own kind and really nudge the owners? Not that they're one in the same, but like, they fight together. So, like, do they want to limit their own potential? Is the MLB indirectly benefiting from this? Like, are they okay with the buzz around the league in the media because of the fact that this is an issue? I don't know. You never know their motives. Ever, I don't think they'll ever vote to pass a salary floor because the yeah. rich owners aren't going to want a floor because that'll entice or force smaller teams to spend the money and take talent away from them. And then on the other side, the small teams don't want a salary floor because they don't want to spend the money clearly because if they wanted to, we wouldn't be in this situation. So I don't think it'll ever be passed by a vote. I think the only way it ever happens 
is if Manfred just puts his foot down and saying, there's a floor and there's nothing you can do about it. That's my executive order. I don't know which one is more likely to happen. I don't know if Manfred would do it because at the end of the day, Manfred works for all of the owners. He's an employee of the owners. It's not the other way around. So I think that if he's going to do that, he's going to have to, I guess, give up something. I don't know what what he could give up to make the floor happen. I feel like it's more possible through a vote. Do you know by any chance offhand what the voting terms are? Like I know there's 32 know teams. Like is I, I would I would assume it's three fourths plus two thirds. One. Either way, I guess what I'm getting at here is if there's enough owners that are willing to win. Like I know I have this quote here, and it probably reflects the way the Dodgers front office feels about this whole thing. But it's a Kershaw quote um, after the Darvish trade. Um, there's a lot of smart guys in front offices figure out something that's easier to do than trading away a star. Just for example, a potential Cy Young Award winner in you Darvish who has just been one of the top five pitchers in baseball for a year and a half for prospects that could potentially be good, but they're 17, 18 years old. And Zach Davies is a great pitcher, but to me, that's just not uh, something the Chicago Cubs do. It's just not good for baseball. It's just like, I don't know. That's another like problem. That. Everyone's like, in love with prospects. Everybody's in love with prospects. There's enough owners that have this sentiment. You can vote against the ones that keep wanting to rebuild. Like the Astros aren't that team now, but like you have the Padres, you have the, or not the Padres really, but like, the Pirates, the Royals, the Tigers, like those teams, like I feel like you can get enough bigger market teams and enough support from the smaller market teams that have been trying all along to kind of overrule this. But it's all a matter of what that threshold is when you do put it to a vote, I guess. I guess it just depends what, you, as you just said, like what what's the floor going to be? Is it mm-hmm. going to be $80 million? It's going to be 165 yeah. Like what is a fair floor for an owner that might actually not be able to afford a hundred million dollar payroll. And you know, if you if you can't afford a hundred million dollar payroll, then maybe it's in the best interest for both your business yourself and the game of baseball. If you sold the team, I guess I have, an- I'm not sure how fair that is. Go ahead. I mean, you can look at like Moneyball. you know, look at the athletics. They've done it without an enormous, uh, salary. They have been doing it. Not that they win, but Ooh, what is butt. that? It's money. Oh, it's money wall. Actual money ball. Book. I haven't read the, the book. Guy that says money wall randomly movie. fifteen times a year. Doesn't know what the cover. You should looks actually like. read it. So going back to I voting, haven't read the book. I've only watched the movie. <laughs> so going back to like read. the voting and stuff like that. For the most part, it looks like like simple majority. There's some things that you need three fourths majority. Um, but one of the things that goes up and down is you need at least five teams in both leagues so like five national league teams need to be on board and five al teams need to be on board so if it was only four national league teams on board with it then that goes out the door that's That's interesting i know just it's just something to think about because you know we we talk about all the time especially on this show it seems like to be a topic every single week how to grow the game and you know when it comes down to it how do you grow the game you have more good teams and you have more fan bases involved you have more cities excited about baseball because you know, when you get down to it out of the 32 cities that have a major league baseball team how many are excited about the 2021 season six yeah uh, yeah uh, less I than think it, yeah less give, than half right oh absolutely definitely less than half so you know Maybe maybe that's how you fix the game. You get more cities. And how many cities are interested in their NBA season? Probably almost all of them. All of them, right? NFL, everyone's excited for the NFL season because anything can happen. It's not fair. NBA, you could pay one guy and it changes your entire franchise. You can't do that with baseball. You can't say, hey, you know, the, the, the Pirates can't go out and sign Mike Trout and say, Hey, look, we have a whole new team now. Granted, players will want to come join Mike Trout, but I'm saying just one guy can't change a franchise like that. Yeah, but the Pirates are at 40 million, right? Let's say we move it up to 80 and they have to spend 40 more million dollars. They can get, you know, six, seven, eight solid players that are going to make them a better team with that 40 million dollars. You don't need to get Mike Trout. No, I'm not saying they can. I'm, I was just making a comparison to, you know, like, 
uh, a basketball team can go out and get Kawhi Leonard and they automatically become an NBA Finals uh, uh, probable. You know, so it's uh, it's not the same in baseball. It's just not. Yeah, yeah I, I, I would agree. And, and you guys mentioned it before, like everyone's so enamored with prospects and like people want to like develop those guys and give them a chance. Like, I think that's what like holds back the pirates from, from going to sign somebody because they, they want to like, I don't know, like Justin Turner literally was just signed. Like, I don't know. Like what if the pirates had called and said, you know, Hey, Justin Turner, come play for us. Like, I don't know. Like they offered him a lot of money. But Pirates probably didn't do that because they have a kid in Cabrian Hayes who they they want to you know give at bats to. They don't want to take that away from uh, that younger side. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's spend interesting money. Point. That's that's really like all it should just be. Just spend. Yeah, just spend money. Spend. Get some relievers. Get some starters. And yeah. you know, veteran starters are gonna tutor and help out the younger kids that you have. So. You know, spend some money. I mean, get your fans excited. You spend money, you get the team better. P- more people come to your ballpark. They spend more money on concessions and merchandise. Th- the money is all in a circle. They it'll come back. That's it's I guess that that's easy. This it's, it's yeah. that easy. Just spend spend more money. That's all it is. Well, it could. It could. Got, um, gotta spend money to make money. Exactly. Let's uh. Just something came into my head when we were talking about prospects just now that I just wanted to quickly. I guess talk about before we wrap this up, Jason Dominguez getting a lot of hype, never played a professional baseball game. There's an article today that came out saying that he's more advanced at this point in his age, skill set wise than Mike Trout. We've seen Mickey Mantle comps. We've seen Bo Jackson comps too much. I think it's too much. Way too much. Like hopefully this kid's good because like, I don't know. He's going to get wrecked in the New York media. (laughs) Yeah. I don't but it won't be his fault, though. That's the, that's the sad part. Personally, I think he's too big. I think he's way too big to be a baseball player. Like I think he's body. too big to be 18 years old, let alone a baseball player. Possibly. Are you insinuating something, Glenn? No. No, he, he, could, just be, no. he could just be older. Like th- That's 12. a thing that happens from, from those like Latin American countries is they, they fake their ages to, to get here. So This is the truth. Just, Tyler, just nothing. I don't know. Like, I, is, it too, always, is, it, is it is it too much to put yeah, my trap? I think so. It. It, I'm just one that doesn't care much about 18 year old hype. Like in terms of prospects, like I, I don't care. Like especially in baseball, like basketball, I get it. Like you're a one and done. You're in the league by 19. But baseball, like you hardly see anybody break into the league that is younger than 20 years old. And even that is young. I would even, like, what is the average for a debut? Like, is it, it's got to be around 24, maybe? 25. I'd say like 23, 24, 25. Like, yeah, yeah. we're not seeing Bryce Harper come up at 19, Mike Trout come at, like, that's, those are rare occurrences. Like, and also like, great. You can hit cage bombs. Like all of us could hit well in a cage. Like, mm-hmm. That that's easy. I that's the biggest thing. Let the kid play a game first. Yeah. Like let, let this kid anything. get out on the field. On the other hand, though, I don't know if that article is necessarily catered to us because we've played baseball our whole lives and we understand that being a guy that's physically imposing in baseball does not get you as far as it gets you in football or basketball. But like somebody who doesn't really follow baseball that closely and just knows the name Mike Trout comes across this they live in the new york area they're like oh the yankees got this young guy he's coming up he's bigger and he's more talented than mike trout they don't know any better like that's it you're like oh wow and then now you're hooked on jason dominguez and you're following jason dominguez throughout his career but who knows what he's it's a tall task to tell somebody that you have a bigger potential than the best player possibly of all time like hello like come on yeah, I think it's I guess I do have something to say, Glenn, because I'm excited. <laughs> I probably wasn't excited before, but I'm excited now to see what this kid can do now that I've seen those comps. So I guess I got suckered into it, too. So He's got we'll a sweet see swing. It, I mean, yeah, it, yeah. It, it's just weird with baseball, like the, these young, talented prospects, like they're they're off playing baseball in East Jabip. Like you literally have no idea where they are and like you can get lost in the shuffle. Like it's not like it's not like you draft this kid number. Like I know they signed him, but like 
that when you draft somebody, it's it's not like we're gonna see them for a while. Like they disappear. You forget about these people. Yeah, that's why like the draft in June, like nobody really watches it because you're, you're gonna you're gonna see them get drafted, and then you're yeah. not gonna see them for three years, and then they're gonna just show up one day on your TV. Like that's yep. just how I guess baseball works. Just happens. Kind of weird like that. I always laugh I mean, when people get people I know get excited about the drafts. I'm like, you don't know any of the also yeah. because college and high school baseball aren't as now nationally covered as college and high school basketball and football yeah. so you don't know anything about yeah it's weird. like i mean no one Go knew ahead. about mike trout like mm-hmm. i like mike trout is from my area and like i mean i was a little bit younger so like i wasn't as tuned in but like you didn't hear about him like he just all of a sudden came out of nowhere and he's the greatest of all th- like that happens in baseball like you don't always know I have a funny draft story, I guess. I don't know if you guys, you guys are in Jersey, so I, I don't, maybe you guys can relate to the story I'm about to say or not. The year Judge got drafted by the Yankees. Well, I was watching the draft. I was texting at the time my high school baseball group chat, and there was a kid from Jersey named Rob Kaminsky that was in that draft. He went to St. Joe's and Bergen County, that we, the Pramus would play them. And everyone wanted the Yankees to draft Kaminsky because he fell to the Yankees. So the Yankees had like three picks. They pick ended up picking Jagailo, who never made it, Judge, and Ian Clark, and I don't think he ever made it. But they picked Judge, and I just remember my group chat being pissed that they didn't pick Kaminsky. And then, you know, four or five years later, Judge is, you know, the superstar when he's healthy, and I don't think Kaminsky has made a he's he's in the big leagues appearance yet. He, he is he in the big leagues he's got three strikeouts in the big leagues he made All his, right. de- made his debut in august he's he's very good one of my high school teammates played with rob kaminsky is he on the indians now he's uh with the cardinals oh uh, didn't he get he traded to the draft and drafted by the, the indians and traded to the cardinals no i think he was drafted by the cardinals correct oh no yeah, yeah, yeah. Cardinals, he was drafted sure. by the Cardinals. I guess he's back with them now. And then he got traded to the Indians, I think, in I don't know, but I yeah. guess he's back with St. Louis. Yes, guess with the back with Cardinals. But yeah, one of my high school teammates played with him like AU wise and said he was absolutely filthy. So I can understand why like a, a local kid for the Yankees would yeah. have uh created but that's a my draft story. Like that. But then it's funny that the, the everyone was mad that they took Aaron Judge. And then, you know, three years later we saw what Aaron Judge turned into. So yeah, you, yeah. You, you never know in baseball. It's such a such an interesting game. So before I do my outro, do we have anything that we missed? Anything? I'll Speak now or ever hold your peace. No. All right. It's here, though. So for this, just, just about wraps up this episode of Base Hit Ball 4. We will be back next week to uh, start doing some team previews, division previews, because spring training will have started. Um, We don't have games until the 28th, so we have one more episode before spring training games start. So it's going to get exciting. There's going to be a lot of content to talk about. It's starting up, I guess, next week, and then through the end of October, we're going to have baseball games to talk about. So that's very exciting. But until then, for Alex Cashman, Tyler Blumensick, Scott Roswell, my name is Glenn Zanigris, and we will see you next week on Base Hit Ball 4.